And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. So you can probably remember last week's show, or two weeks ago, when I was making some jokes about the coronavirus. Looks like this thing has gotten a little big bigger, the fact that we're hearing about it 24-7. And, you know, you turn on the news and you talk to people, it's nonstop fear. Fear, 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 fear. Be afraid. Be afraid. Don't interact. Don't shake hands. Don't hug. Don't do anything. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's just very weird. I don't know how bad this thing is. I don't think this thing is going to be like, you know, Captain Trips from... The stand, Stephen King's The Stand. I mean, it seems a lot of people have it in mild cases, but I don't know. But I, it doesn't seem like it's something like that. But it seems a lot of people in the world are getting it, and we're hearing about it a lot. So I wanted to put the show together and feature four experts because I wanted to look and explore answers without the fear, without the fear mongering. You know, my goal is to inform, is to not uh, instill fear. The, the thing that I'm actually worried about is not so much the virus, the coronavirus, but the solutions to the virus that are, you know, the governments are doing. They're, they're basically bringing this world up to date with 1984. We're, we're getting a totalitarian world right now where entire countries like Italy are being quarantined, shut down. You cannot go out. I mean, who the hell wants to live under that? Oh, you know, I, I don't want to be sick. Well, you want to live in fear? To live in that kind of fear? To live under that kind of tyranny? I don't think it's to live at all. I think it's a bunch of crap. It's disgusting. I, I'm really disappointed in my fellow citizens in America. I think that, uh, you know, this is the country that I'm born in. This is the country that I love. But I really have a little regard for the uh, courage the little courage that my fellow citizens have, I think a lot of them are cowards. They will just roll over and surrender any of their civil liberties at any given time in order to have a sense of security or the illusion of security. It just makes me sick. I think that's the real problem. It's the mass hysteria. It's the mass hysteria and reaction to this. People are reacting emotionally to this virus and maybe they're not thinking logically. And that's why I wanted to bring on our featured guests because they're going to look at this from a uh, you know calmer, cooler head perspective. But I say to all of you out there, you know, please be strong. Think logically. Think soundly. Do whatever you can. Take any preparations you need. But please, whatever you can do, don't give in to the fear. Don't give in to the fear. Be stronger than the fear. Be one of those lights in, in a sea of darkness, in a sea of panicking people who just don't have any grounding sense whatsoever that will just react emotionally. People like you, we need people like you more than ever before. Let us begin tonight's show. Joining us now is Dr. Dave Vigorous, Chief Science Officer. He's also got an incredible background in virology and immunology. Dr. Dave, can you please talk a little bit about your background? And then from there, we'll start asking some questions about the coronavirus. Sure. Thank you for, uh, thank you for having me oh, here. And welcome to our show. Um, <laughs> 
I spent the last 25 years with a deep fascination for infectious disease, viruses, um, anything that belongs in the microbiology family. So much of my training has been focused on that. I did an undergraduate degree, a master's degree, um, undergraduate and master's degree in, in biology, microbiology, and immunology, and then completed a doctorate at Vanderbilt in pathology and spent most of my time then working on HIV virus and its interaction with the human body, so how it interacts with the immune system. I followed that up with two fellowships in infectious disease, one at St. Jude Children's Hospital, where I spend most of my time looking at influenza virus and how it interacts with the body. And then I returned for a second fellowship to Vanderbilt, where I was in pediatric infectious disease. And we were looking uh, in much the same realm, uh, RSV virus, which is a common pediatric infection, metonymovirus, and I spent some time in influenza virus again. So, Vanderbilt before, before becoming faculty. Uh, so you definitely have an incredible background. I love that how you're going. You, so you had a fascination with infectious diseases. That's pretty awesome. It's one of you like you know I'm fascinated with infectious diseases. I mean, I, when I was growing up, I was like fascinated with garbage pail kids. But it shows that we're two worlds apart, but we can come together with one common cause, which is to explore consciousness and figure out what is this coronavirus all about. Because last show. I was making a joke about it. I don't know what it was. It was all media hype. I don't know. I just I don't like the fact that the media keeps on spreading fear, fear, fear. So from your perspective, looking at this, how does this compare to other types of flus, other types of diseases? Is this something that could wipe out humanity? Is this something that is just new and because there's a lack of understanding of what it truly is, is that what the threat is, the unknown? Or is it something it's, where, it's, generally um, speaking, if you take some general precautions, you should be okay? Yeah, some some of all of that. So th this happens frequently. We we have the introduction of pathogens into the human population on a regular basis. Really? This, you know this? Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and you look, and we've had Ebola. Ebola comes from animals. We've had the previous uh, coronavirus, which was SARS, uh, back in 2003, which comes from animals. We had MERS, which comes from animals. Uh, we've had we've had bubonic plague, which comes from rats. We've had, you know, so th this is not a new occurrence. This happens on a regular basis. It happens probably more frequently than people realize. This is, this won't be a global pandemic killer, um, but it, it, it has the potential for being a significant threat to folks who don't have the wherewithal from an immune standpoint to fight it. Real quick, I want to that. Why do you not think that it's going to be a global pandemic Killer, because according to you know people in the media, it's like this is the end of times. Make sure you get things right well, with Jesus. Make sure I mean they're like yeah. really pushing this fear on you. So why is it not going to be sure, the, the global sure. pandemic? Well, just to look at the last two coronavirus infections, the the last one was MERS, which is um, which is back in 2012, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and it had a fatality rate of 30 percent. It was fairly aggressive. Uh, the previous one, SARS, which is uh, SARS-CoV-1, the current one that, we, that we're seeing now is COV-2, it had a, a fatality rate of 9%. Uh, Ebola, when it first came out in the early 70s, had a fatality rate of 90%. So 
you know, this current one has a 3% fatality rate. That's significant. But the people who have passed away have been people who had chronic conditions. So if, if you look at the data that's come out so far from China, very few young people have been sick. Very few young people have had severe, severe illness. So that, there hasn't been hardly any report of a child, five, six, seven years old. There have been a few in their teens. There have been a few in their 20s. The vast majority of people get sick, have mild flu-like, cold-like symptoms that get better. And there are some people who get sick, not even get sick. They, they, they're infected, but they're asymptomatic. So they're not showing any signs, but they're able to spread the virus. And that's, that's the thing that's concerning most of the experts is that this is easily transmitted. It has a fatality rate of 3%, which is significant, um, but it, it has a fatality rate in folks who have an inability to defend themselves from the virus. So there's, there's reason to be concerned. There's not reason to panic. So they have this virus map, and it seems that this thing is going and getting in all different types of countries. Why is it happening in, in all different types of countries? Because I think that's probably the reason why people get a little freaked out, because it's like, well, if it's in China, then how did it you know, get to all the way around the world? Are, is it all coming from China? Are all these people in all these different countries, have they visited China? Have they picked up the disease because they've ordered something from China? You know, I heard this something today saying, oh, don't buy any products from China because if you pop one of the air bubbles then all of a sudden, uh, coronavirus is going to get through the air bubbles. I'm just, I don't know. I think they're, they're cracking up. I don't know. How, how does this thing spreading worldwide? It's what appears to be such a rapid well, rate. Well, the principal reason is because we are so mobile. You know, if you, if you think back to the last big pandemic, the, the most significant one uh, in recent memory was 1918. And in that particular pandemic, the influenza virus came from pigs and chickens it managed to cross over into humans. And because we were not the natural host, the virus took very significant advantage of that. And the estimates are, even though there was very poor record keeping, the estimates are somewhere between 50 and 100 million people died as a consequence of that particular pandemic. That was a true pandemic. And that was at a time when we couldn't, we couldn't get around the world easily. You know, you, you took trains, you took boats. It took a significant amount of time to get from one country to another. In this particular situation here, this outbreak took place around the same time as the Chinese New Year. It is one of the largest um, movements of people as, as they're moving from country to country. We are very easily uh, mobile, right? So we can get from one country to another country in a matter of hours now. So I think what happened here is it was a number of circumstances that fell into place at, at the wrong time, right? A, a mass movement of people for Chinese New Year, people were able to get on a plane and migrate from from China to France to England to Iran to all these other places. And then we have an incubation period of somewhere between two and 14 days. So you're on a plane, you go to another major urban center, you, you're on the plane with three or 400 other people. They get on other planes with three or 400 other people. And before you know it, we've disseminated the infection across countries, across continents. And that's kind of what's happening is, is you're seeing people who are not outwardly sick, who may be shedding virus um, to someone who may have uh, a chronic condition that makes them more susceptible to infection, 
So, I mean, this is really a, a confluence of a number of different factors. An unfortunate time of year when a lot of people are moving around for Chinese New Year, uh, the, the ability for us to be so mobile, to move from country to country, a, a large number of people, more than 80% of them, are probably going to have mild disease or no outward symptoms. So you don't know, you know, somebody's coughing on an airplane, do they, do they just have a dry throat or do they have some infection? So it's a confluence of, of a number of different factors that have led to this moving worldwide, and not the least of which is it's, it's very transmissible. This is a virus that's easily spread. Well, so do you, at for the, this point, do you recommend that people not travel at this point, like not get on airplanes? And where would you say would be the unsafest place to be? Well, the unsafest place seems to be places like nursing homes where folks are already debilitated, recovering from surgery, recovering from from some other disorder or have chronic conditions. You know, we saw this. We've seen this epicenter up in Washington State in, in that nursing home facility. Those are 50 or 60 residents who all have chronic conditions. So many of them have passed away as a consequence of it. Where that came from, if it came from a visitor or it came from you know, nursing staff or who it came from, you know, we, we might never know. Um, but, I mean, I traveled today. I was on a plane today. I was on two planes today. And, you know, I saw maybe a dozen people with masks, which, quite frankly, doesn't, isn't helping a whole lot. For those people who think that they should be wearing a mask to protect themselves against someone who might be sick, those masks are probably not going to help you very much. Uh, the mask needs Jeez, to be reserved. For what can person. you do? Well, what can you do? I mean, if you well, want to have, do, you, mean, do you just like sanitize the seat? Because even prior to any of this thing happening, I, I was one of those guys. I was, I was in the airplane, and I would sanitize. I would take the the wipes and I wipe down the seat. I think people are disgusting. Yeah. Everyone's like, people are wonderful. Like, no, it's disgusting. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and and uh, I I wouldn't disagree with that. You know, if you if you feel like, um, you know, washing your hands and and, you know, staying away from people and, you know, having some sanitary wipes to wipe stuff down. I, I, all of that seems reasonable efforts to protect yourself. A, a number of people on the flights today, you know, had uh, sanitary wipes, you know, alcohol wipes or, um, or Clorox wipes, and they wiped down the, the seat and they wiped down the tray table. And, um, you know, those are all reasonable efforts to, to avoid being sick from something that might have been left by the previous passenger. Uh, many of these viruses can stay on surfaces for, for a fair period of time. So that, that's a reasonable way of protecting yourself. Um, shaking hands is probably not something we should do right now because, you know, you cover, you cover your mouth to cough, as you should, and now you've deposited those potential organisms on your hands, right? So it, it's you don't have to be so overly paranoid that everything is going to get you, but at the same time, wash your hands. Um, if you're within six feet of people, you're probably within their vapor range. And what I mean by that is even if you're not coughing, you're not sneezing, just the act of breathing leaves, you know, vapor particles. And every one of those vapor particles from someone who is infected could carry virus. So, you know, kind of like the, um, you know, the ring of protection might be if you're outside of six feet of someone, you're probably outside of that potential uh, exposure to their vapor. 
But, you know, in an airplane, there's 300 passengers, 200 passengers, busy airport. Um, you know, it's hard to, to stay six feet from everybody. I don't know. know without, I don't know. Busy is without walking up, without walking in a bubble. So it, it's kind of standard precautions. Wash your hands frequently. Um, wipe down your surfaces, you know, tray table, your desk, wherever you're a table if you're at a restaurant or something at a, at, a, at an airport it, it's it's basic hygiene uh, beyond that you know there you can put yourself in a plastic bubble you know but not much else is going to is going to keep you from interacting with people especially in a busy environment like an airport or a train station or subway station right so yesterday I saw that you know New York City was going through very active decontamination, disinfection of all of the, you know, subway stations and subway cars and buses. And they're going to do this every, every 72 hours. Cause it was probably going to take them three days to go through the entire transit system. First time so, it's been done, which yeah. is good. Yeah. So, you know, it may not have been done that frequently, but, and a lot of places are doing that. They're, they're very active. You know, I saw, you know, folks in the, um, in the airports today, that were wiping down all the surfaces. You know, they had disinfecting wipes and they were wiping down counters and they were wiping down any place where somebody might have touched. So we're doing things proactively to try to help. And, and that's, that's going to be beneficial in the long run. But I think this, this just may turn out to be something that, you know, we're going to get exposed to in one way or another, we're going to get exposed to it. So what can we do to, to, increase our body's resistance i'm a huge fan of ginger i love taking um cinnamon and i, I mean dr daniel ammon's got a great book called the brain war way and i've just been taking stuff that he recommends verbatim as far as antioxidants i love that so the vitamin c is there anything that we could be doing that will strengthen our immune systems those, those kinds of things um you know vitamin c vitamin e vitamin d really helps to to boost your immune system. Getting a good night's sleep helps. Um, it's it's amazing how much the interaction between our brain, our gut, and our immune system, how much interaction there is there, right? So, getting a good night's sleep, um, eating well, staying hydrated, you know, taking some of these vitamin vitamin C supplements, maybe even zinc, you know, because sometimes zinc will help with common cold. And one of the viruses that contributes to the common cold is a coronavirus. There's four typically circulating coronaviruses all the time. And they cause the usual cold symptoms, you know, sneezing, itchy eyes, you know, the, the kind of thing we all experience a couple times a year. Uh, those are common coronaviruses. And I suspect that over the next year or so, this virus may end up being, you know, our fifth common circulating coronavirus. The, the viruses really want, and, and I hate to, to give them kind of a human quality, but, you know, the biological imperative for them is to circulate and to spread. And they need to spread in such a way that they don't harm the host. You know, so now, you know, right now we're a new host. So they're trying to find a balance with us to say, you know, we want to survive. We want you to survive. We just want you to spread us around so that we get to produce, reproduce and propagate you know, most colds are like that, right? You get sick for a couple of days, sneeze, cough, you know, you spread it to someone else, someone else in the house, someone at work, it, and they circulate. They're not, 
they're not terribly dangerous unless you have, you know, a significant medical condition. David Gerswein, thank you so much for being with us today. I have to tell you that your, your insights were very fascinating. Thanks for giving a direct perspective on it. A lot of people in the media, especially people coming on, are really hyping the fear, and I appreciate the fact that you gave us straightforward answers, constructive answers, uh, news that we can use and use, uh, news that we can use. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time. Welcoming to the program is Dr. Carol Lieberman, board-certified Beverly Hills psychiatrist, award-winning, best-selling, award-winning, and best-selling author. She trained at NYU Bellevue, Anna Freud's, Freud's London Clinic. Dr. Carol, welcome to our show. How are you? Thank you. Fine, thank you. That's awesome. So you have come up with the Corona Stress Syndrome test. I think this is very fascinating. From your perspective, do you believe that the panic reaction to the media about this virus is justified? Do you believe that people are, are not thinking critically about it? What is your take from a psych- psychology perspective, mental health perspective? People are beginning to panic um, more and more. Not everywhere yet, um, but there have been instances, like, for example, some of the stores, like um, Costco, there are some Costcos where people are going in and buying out things like toilet paper. Uh, There are reports, there are pictures, in fact, of people wearing masks and gloves. Um, There there was a story about a man in Lithuania uh, who locked his wife in the bathroom because she had talked with a Chinese woman who had been to Italy. I mean, people are just, you know, then there's um, stuff about people not wanting to buy Corona beer. or I think that's uh, insane. I mean, it, it, it's like, really? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, it's, and, and part of it has to do with the fact that the way this started was um, in China in a very kind of mysterious sort of way. You know, there, was, there were lots of cover-ups. We know that. And so that, uh, and then there were people who died, uh, like a doctor who had, was the first one to um, try to tell his doctor friends that there was such a thing as this illness. And I mean, he died from the illness, but then there was somebody else who, who was trying to take pictures and put it on the internet of what was really going on there. And, you know, all of the, each of these people were squelched by the government. So we have this feeling that the beginning of it was really bad because it gave us this feeling that there were things, really scary things that no one wants to tell us. And this is something that we should be really worried about. We can't, that we can't trust what we're hearing. And because of that, I'm sure people are being very suspicious, but how would you compare the media's reaction to this compared to other things. I mean, I, there are plenty of other things out there that, that can kill you. None of us gets out of Earth alive. That's the thing I, uh, people suddenly realize. They're so afraid all the time, but no one gets out of here alive. We're all going to die. I guess no yeah. one wants to go to the people, but just from your perspective, what is, what is it about this particular virus that is causing so much fear? Do you think that maybe that, that there's some benefit to some corporations or political structures for them to have this here? <laughs> well, you know, yes, the virus certainly is being politicized. Um, 
I mean, you would think, uh, according to some politicians, that uh, President Trump was the one who created the coronavirus as uh, some kind of bioterrorism for the United States. I mean, it's really ridiculous. Um, and people criticizing him for trying to keep people calm when actually that was the right thing to do. Uh, you know, um, there's that. There's the using it for political gain, like stirring up fear for political gain. There's also, you know, aside from, I mean, the reason why I developed this coronavirus stress test and why I'm concerned about coronavirus stress syndrome is, which is an overreaction to the fear or to the risk of getting coronavirus, is because when people are stressed uh, in general, any kind of stress, but including the stress that you feel because you're worried about getting coronavirus, that puts a strain on your immune system, and that makes you more vulnerable to actually getting coronavirus. So the very thing you're afraid of, you're making your chances of, of getting it worse by becoming obsessed with it. Now, when is, the, when is there a time to not get wrapped up in fear, and when is there a time to be genuinely concerned? So some people are saying, well, you know, don't get wrapped up in the fear. And they're going out, they're going to the store, they're, they're buying whatever they can. So what is that point where you should say, hey, you know what, maybe I should take some precautions. Yeah, you know what, maybe this is not just about fear. Maybe I should actually you know, take this very seriously. What do you, when do you see, when is it accurate to predict when at that correct time? Well, I think um, a lot of it depends upon how many cases there are very close to where you live or work. Um, you know, the, the solution is really just doing some basic things that you should be doing anyway all the time uh, because, because of the regular flu and just because you want to keep healthy, like um, eating healthy, uh, getting enough sleep, getting enough exercise, eat, taking vitamins, the kinds of things that you should do every day. Uh, just normally to try to keep yourself as healthy as possible, even washing your hands. Um, that's something that you should do just in general, especially during flu season, you know, not necessarily coronavirus uh, kind of flu, but just every year when the flu comes around. And then um, visiting your doctor, having a checkup, trying to fix anything that's broken <laughs> um, because coronavirus does, become more serious in people who have underlying problems, as does the flu. So a lot of these things, and of course, you know, I, I am very a strong believer and a, um, proponent of doing things that relieve your stress every day, whether it's coronavirus stress or stress from work or stress from relationships, you should be doing something every day to try to decrease your stress because we have a lot of things that we're stressed out about. We, we have had even before coronavirus came on the scene. I mean, the main thing, of course, was the election and politics and the division and all that. But then people have personal stressors, uh, relationships and, and work and all kinds of personal things as well. So we really need to, basically, we need to keep ourselves healthy psychologically and physically. And then whether it's coronavirus or the flu or anything else, will be more fit to be able to withstand it and to not get it or to not have a very serious case of it. If you look at the collective psychology of people today compared to people 100 years ago, do you think that more people today 
are weak-minded, that aren't stoic, maybe because they aren't as resilient maybe as previous generations, that they're more susceptible to being caught up in fear, they're more susceptible to you know, accepting something without thinking about it first. What is your take on that? Yes, ab- absolutely. And I think that's for a number of reasons. Um, you know, we are, we are coddled more as the years go by. We, we, um, each generation sort of gets coddled, coddles themselves more than um, people were, you know, when they had to, uh, when work was a lot harder, more physical labor and so on. But also I think a big reason is because of the media, because now people sit and um, consume uh, hours and hours of television or radio or um, any kind of media, and they are attracted to media that seems to have the most uh, salacious or the most threatening kinds of headlines, you know, something like, oh, I better not miss that because um, that's talking about something really dangerous about the coronavirus or or anything else in the world, you know. Um, we're drawn to these these headlines of doom and I think that, it, and because we have more media than ever before, you know, we surround ourselves, we always have our phones and so on, that that is having more of an impact as well. People are always on their phone and they're always getting that little push of, I don't know, serotonin. Maybe they're getting a rush because they're constantly needing that simulation. I'm wondering if there's a correlation between people being addicted to their phone and people also being in a perpetual fight or flight syndrome because they're always looking for some kind of simulation and i wonder if from your perspective if people can experience a burnout when they're always in a fight or flight because if you look at the media i mean all they're trying to do is tell you to be fear run be afraid always be on guard and i wonder like after a while does that you decrease your ability to think critically does that put you in a state where you lose touch with being strong or being tough i mean how can you have a clear thinking thought process and be mentally healthy, mentally strong if you're perpetually in a fight or flight syndrome, if you're perpetually uh, becoming addicted or in an addictive type state? I think that that does really have uh, an impact. I mean, on the one hand, it's, it's, there are different things going on, various things going on. You know, on the one hand, um, we become, um, we become less, uh, uh, it infects us less and it's desensitized is the word I'm looking for. We, we've become desensitized to some things because we have overload of them. And yet that, you know, it's cognitive dissonance. On the one hand, um, same thing as with terrorism as well. On the one hand, we hear something every day about ter- terrorism. Coronavirus is taking over terrorism for the time being. But we hear these kinds of things that frighten us. And then we, we take them into our mind. And then that's on one level. And then um, our unconscious pushes it down into our unconscious. Our mind pushes it into the unconscious. So part of us uh, is in denial and doesn't want to believe that something is as serious or dangerous as it is. But so it's all these different. And yet then we're then we're tripped again, you know, um, uh, with media or with somebody sending us a, a text about the latest thing that they heard. Oh, another person died. Um, that kind of thing. So we're always in this in this on alert um, kind of state. And yes, I think we do burn out. We are burning out. 
And that does interfere with a lot of things. Our rational mind, um, our ability to feel things authentically, uh, a, a lot of different things. We're, we're sort of mentally exhausted all the time. Yeah, I think it's, it's crazy. And I wonder if the, the powers, that the people that are in office, or it doesn't matter, I'm talking, I don't care, it doesn't matter what the political affiliation is. I think that people who are up there, I, I imagine it is in their interest to pacify their people. People are questioning them. I think that it's imagined to be a negative thing. But if people are in a perpetually state of fear, are they easier to control? If somebody, <laughs> if a group population is worried about the coronavirus, I mean, if they're worried about the coronavirus, are they going to sit there and look at and look at the books at some of the people and say, oh, you know, maybe we should stop spending money on this? Or that? I mean, does that really this fear, generally speaking, limit a person's the ability to think critically? Uh, well, I mean, there have been foreign dictators who have used that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, fear okay. tactics. But I don't think that that is happening in this. <laughs> I mean, it obviously isn't because, I mean, because Trump was criticized for trying to calm people and not taking it too seriously, yeah. seriously enough. So he's not one of those fear-mongering dictators. Oh, but, yeah. you know, I think I think one of the things, talking about politics, one of the things that is helpful to remember in a time like this is something that FDR said in 1933 at the lowest point of the Great Depression. He said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And I think that that is true for the coronavirus itself uh, as well, because, um, as I said, the more we fear it, the more our immune systems go down the tubes and the more we are indeed susceptible to catching it. Dr. Carol Lieberman, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, we, we come to know her as Dr. Thank Carol. You can, can learn more about the Dr. Carol by going to her website. One of her websites is called terroristtherapist.com. Learn more about her recent appearances. By the way, she's got a great book for kids called Lions and Tigers and Terrorists Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. Dr. Carol, thank you so much. Thank you. Welcoming back to the program is Mr. Chris Dwayne. About Chris by going to his website at goldenstatement.com. You can go to his YouTube channel, Greatest Truth Ever Told. You can also find him on Instagram. Mr. Dwayne, welcome back to the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, right? I'm doing unbelievable. So right now we're dealing with this whole corona corona thing, which is killing corona beers. I don't know, it's crazy. But <laughs> What do you make about all this? Do you think this is a power play by the elites to shut down free speech? Because there's so much for them to gain by putting people in this state mm-hmm. of fear. I mean, they, they can they can say, oh, coronavirus is being spread by cash. So now we have to be cashless society. And now you got to go through mm-hmm. all these biometric scannings. And now you're going to have to have mandatory vaccinations. I don't know. What do you make mm-hmm. about all this? Mm-hmm. Seems like a lot of fear. There's a lot of money to be made off of fear. That's what this whole paradigm is run off of. So... I can go the, you know, this is a bioweapon, you know, type thing, uh, that this is a bigger play, you know, of uh, Anglo-American powers versus other powers. Uh, you know, we can, we can run through all the war games. We, I think the people in control know that a nuclear uh, war is not going to happen, uh, that China and the United States are diametrically opposed in their power. And, uh, yeah. This is definitely, uh, I, can, I can make the case for that. But then I could also make the case of, well, what if this is just the most elegant way of Mother Earth slowing humanity down so that we stop killing ourselves? You know, what better way of making the uh, all the powers that think they be 
show that they're not, other than wiping away their illusions. Uh, and I think that's what's going to end up being the result, regardless if it, this is a bioweapon, if this is, you know, some secret plan to, you know, to bring about all that, that you just mentioned, that horrible story. Yeah. Or, you know, it could be this is Mother Earth saying, hey, you know, here's this little teeny disease. It's just a little bit worse than, you know, the flu virus, right? Chris, from your perspective, do you think that this is going to accelerate a turmoil in the financial system? Because we've had the debt and death paradigm going for so long, and mm-hmm. we knew it was going to end at some point. Do you think that this is the, the catalyst for it to actually happen? Does this get, is this something where if, if I'm the central bankers and I'm part of the you know controlling power, that I want this to happen, knowing if, if, if it's going to happen, if the, if the collapse is going to happen, is this give, does this give those people adequate cover? Yeah, yeah, it could. You know, this could be a very elegant way for the criminal elite to back out the back door again and go, oh, the economy collapsed. It was, it was an act of God. It was China. It was anybody except for the people that built up the global generational debt-based fiat Ponzi scheme based off of debt and death. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but I also think that this is also an age where all their power that they got was because they held out certain illusions. And as soon as those illusions go away, like the value of the dollar and the power that they have, uh, people won't show up to work anymore. People will realize that they've sacrificed a better part of their lives or something that doesn't mean anything. And I think once that, once that illusion's gone, the money illusion's gone, all power will dissolve. Any power that was built off of uh, the illusions will collapse as a result. So I, I don't see how it ends uh, well for those that who have done ill. Um, you know, there's probably a more elegant way of doing it and there's probably a very hard way. And I think anybody who's got power has decided that if they go the hard way, there's a lot of other people who would, you know, choose the hard way against them. And then, you know, he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Uh, I'm of the belief that the meek are going to be inheriting the earth, uh, because this whole paradigm is built off of debt and death. And when that pops, uh, there will not be much left standing in the financial landscape anywhere in the world, much less political power, and all power will devolve down to the most local and responsive levels. And I think those individuals who took it upon themselves to do the hard work like I did uh, over the past decade to realize that the system is not going to last forever and that when systems end, they end horribly, and uh, to prepare for those days. And silver is by far the best option. I personally am highly biased. I think silver shield is going to be worth far more uh, than any silver that you can buy out there. Uh, because we've been dedicated to exposing the debt and death paradigm, preparing people for the largest transfer of wealth from intangible debt-based fiat illusions into real tangible money. Uh, And we're going to create a whole new silver age on the other side and hopefully rebirth America uh, very quickly. As soon as we get cast off these viruses that have held America back from its divine promise of creating shiny cities on the hill. I remember hearing that back in the 80s. And we haven't done that yet. So I would no, like Chinese cities on the hill, but we can't do it for funding the debt and death warmongering, cunning collectivists. I always think about that, too. You said so, that the power is going to re- go down to the local responsible level. And, but if the, if the elites own the media and they can still put, the, put their information out, you know, are people going to be able to Bloomberg just dumped a half a billion dollars trying to become president. Over the last two months, he bailed out. So, yeah, they have this media. <laughs> Nobody listens to them anymore. Even the people that work inside that media, they know damn well they're touting bullshit. All right. But the people obviously... So I don't, I don't think that whatever power that they think they have, it's gone. It's going away. As soon as the dollar goes, that's when all the sins are going to be exposed. 
So when the when the collapse does happen, the people who are in control better figure out a better way of of transferring wealth and not have it be such a financial uh, drag out like we did in the Great Depression, you know, where they tried to just squeeze America into uh, their will. You know, I don't know. I maybe they will do that. I was, you know, we, on our show tonight we have Gerald on before you and I think I discovered I discovered both of you the same year too it's kind of interesting how it all kind of happened but you know we talked about people being cowards you know not really having the guts to stand up because they just, they're just you know kissing the ass of anyone who says that they're in the authority they're not really thinking for themselves and I, you know, I can't imagine the earlier Americans looking at the people today and saying well I have respect for these people I just they feel like people today yeah. they don't have any kind of courage is there, what do you think is the, is the reason behind that? Are they, are they manipulated? Are they too brainwashed? Do you think that they genuinely lack courage? Because I, I look around and on my neighborhood, I've got this website that's called Nextdoor. Some people go on it, mm-hmm. and I'm sure people can do it any time, and you can contact and communicate with their fellow neighbors. And this stuff that people argue about, I got the wrong change from this store, I'm upset about this. They're like mentally weak. They're like, I don't know. There's something wrong yeah. here. I, I don't know. Do you feel like Somebody said if we brought back dueling, there would be a lot less offended people. Yeah, it would be awesome. I would love that. <laughs> you know, like, if there was a gun on the other end, let's see how fucking offended you are about yeah. what I just said, right? You, know, so you, you want to fight over that? What do you think so of no, I, I, So what I think of it, we, we, have, we have been fucking domesticated. That's yeah. what we have. They took the fucking best and brightest of all the world's population that came over to the United States on the hope that this was a fucking blessed place where true freedom could rise and we could create shining cities on the hill to inspire the entire world. And that got hijacked by the banksters right after the Revolutionary War, 1812, the Federal Reserve, 1913. If you want a free America, you have got to cast out the banking system, the entire banking system and all their values. Or else we're just going to end up with more of the same. We've proven. Given them power, they will fucking murder everybody. For money okay but it's business to them you, so you, stop you, supporting them you take out the banking system aside take the average person why isn't the average person more engaged because they don't see it they don't they how don't is see it how it, can they not see it I mean, they, I, I they have access to all these books and information and you know because i mean i mean you know you're curious about this i'm curious about this we can go online we can find all kinds of information yeah, but i'm curious about this i'm a 45 year old guy who's independently wealthy mm-hmm. right fucking former marine I had my life torn apart by the 2008 financial crisis. I've been watching this. I have the time and energy to spend in finding out the truth about all of this. How many people actually even have an extra 15 minutes in their day? They're just trying to survive, Ryan. They're trying to survive with bad programming. They think that they're, you know, they're weak and they need help and stuff. No, I, I know. I could show everybody that they're the source of power. But we don't have a system set up for that. We have a system that wants to fuck make people weak. I don't know. It's just, maybe it's just so if there's Americans out there, that, you know, the the real guys know what to do. They need. They know that they can't have their money inside the digital illusion wealth. They need to be stacking physical silver because that's what's going to be lasting on the other side of this. And we'll see who's who can come up with the best solutions on the other end. I have great ideas. I think we can make silver money again. I don't need to wait for the U.S. Mint. I would love to be the head of the U.S. Mint. I would redeem the entire U.S. history. <laughs> Apologize for the Native American genocide, right? Yeah. Apologize in our coins. 
you know, for slavery and all the blood that has been spilled to build up this nation. I don't see how this nation can move forward until we've acknowledged our pain, our painful past. I'll agree with you on that one. I mean, but we're not going to get that in Washington, Ryan. We're not going to get that in Washington. He's going to have to be at individual level. I can't even get on YouTube. <laughs> I'm I'm sandboxed on YouTube. How, from your perspective, how do you know the difference, or how would how would you gauge the difference between something that is overly hype, that is just pure propaganda? Yeah. Compared to something that is something to be genuinely concerned about, because there are plenty of other things that people can get. I mean, the flu kills a lot of people. You can get any kind of you know, yeah. flesh and bacteria disease. How do you know? How this well, is definitely you... something to be concerned about. Okay, but as soon as like fear starts overcoming logic, then I, I have questions about that. I don't think COVID nineteen is as dangerous as Ebola or you know anything else other than that. It's like the flu, you know, probably worse. But the mortality rates aren't that higher, you know, than the normal flu. So I, I'm not concerned about COVID uh, as a biological, you know, problem. I'm concerned about COVID as an economic pop to a global generational debt-based fiat Ponzi scheme and the ramifications of that economic collapse because of COVID. Well, what do you think is gonna the world's gonna look like? I mean, after everything happens. What do you think? When everything, all things aside, say, for example, what would you describe the world five years from now? Do you think it's going to be uh, hurricane? Five years from now? Yeah. A lot quieter and a lot more humble. Okay. Oh, that would be a nice thing. In what else would be the result? You know, after after a really bad party, after a really bad headache, or after a really bad hangover, you know, yeah. you get humbled. And that's what this country needs, unfortunately. We need to get oh, humbled. I think so. I have long overdue. We're not, we're not here to consume folks. No, I think it needs it. Definitely is. needs an intellectual uh, kick in the ass, and also I think it needs to be a, a lot tougher. I, I don't understand the difference between, between being hard, not having feelings, and then also being overly soft. And I think that the country is way, way, way too soft. And I feel like yeah. the people that are the weakest, the weak-minded, I feel like they, they seem to be the one that they're on top that are running everything, and it just makes you. Yeah. Six, so when this. So what's the solution? Walk away from them. Become your own power. That's what I want to do. They, they don't exist without us. I can't tell you how many weak people are in power that rely heavily on their team of individuals who are consciously supporting the worst in humanity. Right? <laughs> like I've seen, you know, people who are of good quality people who are literally assisting the worst in humanity, and they do it because of money. So at some point, that money is not going to be worth their soul, and they stop working for them. And guess what? Then things start falling apart because the good people who hold it all together, they walked away. And that's what I would love to see. would love to see people go, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to sell my soul. I'm not going to uh, endorse this behavior. I'm not going to support this, you know, whoever, whoever you're working for. And I'm just going to say no and walk out. And start creating your own things, or better yet, working with people that you do love and you do want to support. This is all a battle of consciousness. This isn't about finance. This isn't about politics, military. It's all about consciousness and what we're directing it to. And unless we're directing it towards abundant, generative solutions, we're going to end up with the worst nightmares that you guys can possibly think of. Mark of the Beast, crypto, bioscan, whatever, whatever it is, that's what, exactly what you'll get. So unless you're working towards positive solutions, you know, I don't want that stuff. To whatever story that happens, I don't want well, that stuff. Oh, I want the positive. You got to create stuff. something better. Oh, that's what I want to do. Create I don't want the positive. Better. I just sometimes I just think that there's so many people around me that are just yeah, you know, 
come on, everyone should be tougher. Play competitive sports. People believe things because they think it's popular. As soon as an idea is no longer popular, yeah. people don't believe it anymore. So this whole facade's going to go away, and new values will come out. Unfortunately, I really pray that people wouldn't take the hard road and not buy silver and say, oh, it's going to work out. Oh, you know, Trump 2020 yeah, right. is going to solve it. Oh, Biden or some, somebody going to sell it. I don't need to take anything, right? I don't need to listen to this guy. Because people are going to come to me one way or the other. <laughs> They're either going to come to me after the fact going, oh, my God, how did you see that? Or before the fact, you know, saying, oh, I see that silver is a conscious individual solution. I see the value of it. I understand that it's, you know, highly suppressed. I understand that it's, you know, tied to, uh, you know, this country and, and returning it back to some sense of real values. And they support that. Because I think regardless of who gets into office, whether it's Trump, Biden, Bernie, whoever, they're going to they're going to keep printing more and more money and destroy the value of the dollar. They're already lowering interest rates. They're, you know, doing a hundred billion dollar a day liquidity bombs. Imagine creating a hundred billion dollars out of nowhere. Somebody has that power. It's like a whole Jeff Bezos, whole Jeff Bezos fortune. It's kind of funny about that. Like they do that. Somebody just creates that. It's a privately owned bank, the federal reserve. So until we repeal 1913, and get rid of the den of these banksters. Nothing's good is going to come into this country. Oh, yeah, I gotta ask you, Nothing good. When you when you go to the store, is this not does this moment not crack you up when you give a cashier a twenty and they're like looking up like we're gonna see if it's counterfeit? I'm like, what do you mean? Of course it's counterfeit. <laughs> all all the money is counterfeit. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you are you, are you trying to make me crazy? I think it's hysterical. Like, I don't know. You should give him a silver coin then. No. You want to check this? I, no, I'm not giving him a silver coin. <laughs> I just want to give him aggravation. Say, come on, wake up, people. Mr. Chris Wayne, uh, always a pleasure having you on our show. Great insights. Thank you, Ryan. Way ahead of the curve. More about Chris. Get his coins at goldenstatement.com. Go to YouTube channel. YouTube channel. Greatest truth ever told. Watch yeah, so video. Silver Shield. Silver Shield. What? Silver Shield? Yeah, Silver Shield Coins. Silver Shield, yes. That's what I designed. Silver Shield Coins. Chris has amazing coins, by the way. Thank you. Welcome back to the program. Is Gerald Salente, the publisher of the Trends Journal. You'll learn more about Gerald by going to his website at trendsresearch.com. Gerald, welcome back to our show. How are you? I'm fine, and thank you for having me on, Ryan. Thank you. Gerald, I have to say that. When it comes to coronavirus and gaining insight, you seem to be one of the, the most level-headed people out there. Everyone else is panicking, worried. The end is near. What is your perspective on this? Do you think that this is something that is going to have a long-term detrimental impact on humanity as the virus itself, or do you see other things that could potentially harm humanity as a result of the fear of this virus? Yes, the fear of the virus. Look at the measures that these government officials are taking in closing down, as they have done in Italy. Entire towns didn't stop anything from spreading. In New York, the big news is 11 people, 11 people have the virus. 11 people out of 20 million? I'm not real good at math, but does that add up to anything? If I was on your show and I said, you know, 
people better watch out. There's this uh, thing going on out there, and I know of 11 people that died in New York State. You'd say to me, what is this guy out of his mind? 11 people? Oh, oh, 3,500 people have died in a population of 7.7 billion. Hey, how about that? How about the Ebola virus? You know, the one in Yemen that's slaughtering, that all those people are dying because of the war. Backed by the United States, with Saudi Arabia leading the charge, selling them weapons, along with France and the, and the UK, and all the other nations that are in there causing the worst humanitarian crisis on earth. That's not news. Hey, hey, they, they, five, five, what is it, 11... I think 11 people or five people died in the United States, a population of 327 million. Or around 2,900 died in China. Oh, yeah? 1.5 million died last year from air pollution effects. Oh, that's only a country of 1.4 billion? And you're telling me that under 3,000 people died? And then when you look at the data of who's dying, go back to Italy. People that are ill, chronically ill, and elderly. Most of the people that died are in their late 70s, 80s, and 90s. So, the, to me, the real fear is this is the 9-11. It's coronavirus 9-11, putting fear and terror into our minds and hearts. The mailman over here, he canceled his, son's, his little son's birthday party. People are freaking out everywhere. It's killing business. And I got these morons, like I got this stupid governor up here, and they're all jerks to me, repulsivekins and democrats. You know, this guy just passed a bill where he now gives himself all this authority to do what he wants. Was this guy a genius? So that to me is the real fear, is that the government complete control and the cops back them up and they do what they're told. And again, the numbers add up to nothing, to nothing. Oh, oh. How many people with 11 people in the United States? There's some number, 5, 11, whatever it is. Under 20. Died. 18,000 people have already died, according from the Centers for Disease Control, from the flu during the same period of time. Nothing to do with the virus, the flu. 18,000 people. So to me, this is just, it's, 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 just like when they do when there's a hurricane, there's a hurricane coming, and all these little prostitutes get dressed up in their hurricane drag, and they got the wind blowing, and, and, and the water coming over, the boardwalk, and the trees bending over. It, they're doing the same thing. And the hurricane's 500 miles off the coast of Florida, and then they evacuate. They're doing the same thing. This is media hype, and it's giving the governments more control, and they're destroying the global economy in the meantime. I don't know if it was, if it's totally worth it. You know, I was reading, I remember one of your trends, I believe it was for this year, was we we're going to see the rise of civil unrest. And I was talking to a gentleman, and he pointed out something. He said, do you realize that before the coronavirus happened, you were seeing, you were seeing civil unrest in multiple different countries? And now, because this virus is out there, we don't see these crowds of people going around there. So I wonder if it was part of the government's plan to all these countries to kind of like, you know, put something together 
Or do you think that this could be one of their last-ditch efforts in order to retain power? I mean, is this a power play to seize more control because they are losing it, or are they just doing it because they're sociopathic uh, psychos? I don't know. I don't know. But all the things you said are all legitimate. But which one is right? I don't, they're definitely, they're all psychos, you know. And uh, But you made a perfect point. Hey, remember, it was look what was going on in Hong Kong for how long? You don't hear a word about it. You're, you're banning. They're banning. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to go out and protest anymore. You're not allowed to have big groups of people out there. Oh, by the way, in Italy, they're also saying for people when they go out to stand three feet apart from each other, and no more kissing on the cheeks and no shaking hands. It's just, it's ludicrous. I mean, I, it, human beings need to need to touch each other. They need to hold each other. I I, I wonder why this is happening. I mean, are, are people really going to be that scared because I remember watching one of your earlier shows and you echoed something that I completely agree with you on that there are so many people in this world that are that are such cowards like no one gets out of this world alive we all die and so many people are willing to just you know surrender their freedom and just be a coward and buy into this fear and it just makes me sick because I think that we actually have a, a decent amount of potential but how far does this go Gerald? Do you think that this is going to continue? Are we going to see this totalitarian society on a global scale? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You're seeing it now. You're seeing it now. And as far as the economy goes, one of your predictions was that we were going to see the Greatest Depression. I believe your, your window was going to be 2021. But because of the coronavirus, because we get so many goods from China... Do you think that's going to accelerate? Are we, are we going to see the stock market crash happen? This big start happened earlier. And if it did happen, do you think that the economies of most countries would blame the coronavirus as opposed to the central bankers who are responsible for basically counterfeiting all the currency? Exactly. They're going to they're going to blame they're going to blame the coronavirus. And and again, look at the data. It's in our trends journal. The IMF was warning of a of a great depression. Back uh, two months ago, and I'm, I said, "Boy, they must be watching now and, and subscribing to the Trends Journal." And then you're looking at the global debt, and that's going to be one big issue. So when you look at the data out there, oh, the last quarter in uh, 2019 in Europe, the GDP grand grew the grand total of 0.1 percent. All right, this is going on before then, but what's happening is now they're they're making a very bad situation worse. The travel industry is dying. Restaurants are empty. Cities are empty. In Italy, you're not allowed to have soccer matches anymore in stadiums. They're closing schools for weeks. In, in, in Japan, they're closing the schools until April. I wish this happened when I was a kid so I wouldn't have to go to school. <laughs> See, I hated every day of it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, you jeez. Know, anyway, oh, when we used to get out off school, we got the measles, the mumps, the chicken pox, but now you get vaccinated. You're not allowed to get them anymore. And that's what they're going to do with this. They're going to force, just like they're doing now, forcing kids to get vaccinated or you can't go to public school. And they're going to force people to get vaccinated. They're going to do everything they can. Because there was a blowback against the whole vaccination movement, and now it's changed. And ironically, they had a vote up in Maine 
on Super Tuesday, it was one of the issues, a referendum, that they wouldn't be forced to get vaccinations, and they lost because the coronavirus pushed it through. So I guess they're using all different types. I saw this little slimy thing that trying to say, oh, you know, we, we can't use cash anymore because the cash because you you can the coronavirus could be transmitted through cash, which is come on, come on. I mean, I guess people are just, they're so stupid. They just they're willing to accept it. I'm just, from your perspective, Gerald, do you see anything good coming about this in the future? Say, for example, we we get entrenched in the sphere, and then we have that global economic crash collapse you've been talking about for a long time. No, I see. No. And things are only going to get worse unless people push for peace and courage, right. and they're not doing it. Look at this guy, Bloomberg. A half a billion dollars. A half a billion dollars he spent masturbating in public. Can you imagine if he gave a half a billion dollars to Occupy Peace? Amazing. We'd have a real peace movement going that would have an effect. I think it would be really So they're not, unless, unless we have, unless people move to higher levels and stop bowing down to governments, this thing's just going to go down worse and worse. You see any, and they'll use any excuse they can. You see any indications in history where we've actually had a situation where people have done that, that you can cite back to? I mean, if you look at the foundations of America, you know, went to, they rebelled against the British over a 3% tax. Meanwhile, now we're being taxed 40 or 50%, and people are just, let's just continue to watch our smartphones and ITVs. And I'm wondering if, there, if there's any other point in history where you can sense or feel an indication of when people are going to come No, 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 no. The people have gone. Like you said, you know, they're, they're on their, their handhelds all the time. And, you know, I call them handhelds because everybody's masturbating Digital in public. Masturbation. Well, yeah. Let's say this. What about, um, say, for example, there, there's some people out there, like I'll, I'll consider myself one of them, is that I don't want to tolerate this. I, I, I don't want to be part of the ship. I don't want to be, you know, a bootlicker. I want to stand up and I want, I want to have freedom. I want to experience it. So is there, is there any hope for people like me or people like you that love freedom? <laughs> that want to have this? Can we go to some place and experience this? Or are we destined and bound to the chain of wussies that are around us, known as their fellow citizens, who will just sit and accept all types of tyranny? It, it can change. And you almost saw it, and again, no, I'm no fan of his at all. I find him a disgusting human being. He'll do, say anything and do anything, so he never has to work as he never did in his life. Bernie Sanders. And you could see all the young people that followed him. And you had an election over there in Ireland, McCormick, and uh, Sinn Féin won. And why did they win? The young people. Because the young people have no future. When I was a young person, when the polls used to come out, the future was always going to look brighter than the past. Now it's the opposite. The past looks brighter than the future. So yes, it can happen with the right kind of movement out there, and reissuing or reconstituting the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, it can it can happen, but it has to be a new new wave, a new third party, and I just don't see it happening at this point in this country. But the right person with the right movement can make it happen. Absolutely, Gerald Salente, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And think the world of you, and I'm so happy that you're out there being a strong voice because very few people think the way you do. And I always say, think for yourself, and you definitely think for yourself. And I appreciate your passion, your courage, commitment to liberty, liberty, and commitment to the truth. Learn more about Gerald by going to his website at trendsresearch.com. Well, thank you, Ryan, and thank you for all that you do. 
Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of the Truth. Special thanks to our featured guest, and special thanks as always to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Casa, and Miss Casastellas. To learn more about the Out of Limits of the Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening.